2: yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com com.
3: Roswell in the 21st Century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com.
4: Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404-
0: Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD.
5: Oh, Welcome back. Welcome back. After a, a, a hiatus that uh, we were able to get back from Um we got the virus around us, and we'll be talking about that today, the relationship between coincidences and what we can do during this pandemic. And so glad you are here, our loyal fans, with us again. And that includes you, Barbara. We are looking into all aspects of coincidences with people from around the world and spread the word about the show. Word of mouth is how we grow. Uh, In the next few episodes, my guests and I will be talking about cultivating coincidences in tumultuous times. We fell asleep in one world and woke up in another. Suddenly Disney is out of magic. Paris is no longer romantic. New York doesn't stand up anymore. The Chinese wall is no longer a fortress and Mecca is empty. Hugs and kisses suddenly become weapons and not visiting parents and friends becomes an act of love. Suddenly you realize that power, beauty, and money are worthless and can't get you the oxygen you're fighting for. The world continues its life and it is beautiful. It only puts humans in cages. I think it's sending us a message. You humans are not necessary. The air, earth, water, and sky are fine without you. When you come back, Remember that you are my guests, not my masters. Our guest today is Matthew Zilstra, who is an integral ecologist and facilitator, who is passionate about meaningful nature experiences and rewilding our relationship with Earth. He has a transdisciplinary PhD in conservation ecology and transformative sustainability. And is published widely on the theory and practice of nature connectedness. Matthew has led college studies abroad, programs for over 10 years across the Southern Hemisphere. He currently serves as a founding director with the Organization for Noetic Ecology. He's a field lecturer for wildlife, wildland studies, and a research associated with the Sea Change Project. Part of Matthew's ongoing work explores how focused intention and quality attention Shapes our nature experiences and ultimately our neurophysiology in support of connection and well being. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you very much, Bernie. It's great to be back. Well, we've talked a bit about nature synchronicity and uh, the pandemic. And I wonder what your thoughts about how coincidences might be helpful. Uh, and useful as well as maybe problematic during this this pandemic period of our of our lives. Yeah, thank you. And thank you also for
6: your opening there. I think it was a very poignant um, opening and and one that's um, as you were sort of speaking about this awakening into a new world, it um, brought up quite a lot of emotions in me because we were perhaps asleep and now we've awoken to a very different world where so much of what was normal uh, has been turned on its head. And um, I just wanted to say before I begin answering your question that I think um, our conversation needs to really be sensitive to this backdrop uh, because of a lot of what's going on in the world as a backdrop to our conversation, um, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of trauma, There's a lot of illness and um, a lot of loss of of all sorts of things. There's loss of life, loss of so much of the familiar ground which we were comfortable in. And so some of the conversation, you know, it might seem academic to a point, but I think more than ever, as you pointed out, uh, synchronicity does have a pragmatic relevance and it's um, what it might indicate is as relevant as ever. So with that, I think... um, it's just important to realize that we've come to this incredible choice point for humanity. Um, that's how I feel at it at this point in time. And um, and I think more specifically, it's this calling. And um, what is what is what what is being called from us as as individuals, but also as a collective at this time? Like you say, the world is going to go on. I mean, the other species are going to go on and perhaps actually relishing some silence. But the but the ball has really been thrown back to us as a species to say, what are we going to bring into the world at this time in response to this? And um, there's a real sense of not knowing. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who have theories and um, who are very... Perhaps sure of those theories, but I think we have to be humble in the not knowing of what's happening right now, and also be um, be able to, to to ask that question, which can invite synchronicity. Um, if there's ever been a time for guidance, uh, which synchronicity can give, now's the time. Yes. And if I, um, one interesting thing from a Southern African perspective, which I just wanted to um, share, was uh, when. When um, in various Southern African traditions, like in Zulu and in Xhosa, when you become a traditional healer or a spiritual um, uh, a spiritual diviner, which is uh, known as a sangoma, you go um, you go through something which is called a twasa, and um, that literally translates as a calling. And that calling is preceded by a prolonged illness and by a prolonged sickness. And is accompanied by dreams and visions, and I couldn't help but thinking the other day that humanity, in a way, is having its own twassa right now. It's going through its own um, its own prolonged illness. But there's also dreams and visions, and some of what's going out there is sort of this dystopic future, this apocalyptic future, this totalitarian future. But on the other side of these visions, you're hearing and seeing this absolute activation of humanity. Which is arising, um, compassion, mutual aid, community, collective action, and this um, deep sense of care. So, in, in trying to understand synchronicity, I think we really also have to hold this contradiction and hold the polarities of what's happening at this point in time. Um, and
4: Earth,
5: um, Earth is filled with uh, polarities uh, uh, positive and negative, dark and light. And it's part of the nature of being human on earth to confront polarities. And you're outlining the two apparent major choices between totalitarianism, apocalypticism, and compassion and caring and love for each other. I'm also a Hegelian in the, I think of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And I'm wondering what, how maybe these two apparent polarities can be brought together. But that's another question. Let's go back to uh, the, the way that we are going through um, a prolonged illness. And I have gone through a prolonged illness uh, recently. And it's I've come out on the other side of it, I think, uh, transformed and lighter and more spiritually aware. And I, I certainly have heard of that a number of times from other people, and I'm glad you point out the tradition in the South African people you mentioned. And some people call what we're going through a, as a near-death experience, which also can be transformative. So where how can synchronicity play a role in all of this, Matt? Well, w-
6: what you're seeing is all the conditions which are perfectly right for synchronicity. Um, I know you've looked at this before as well. I mean, we're in a point of transition. There's emotional yeah. intensity. There's activation deep in the psyche of images. Um, there's a need. And, and so there's all the fertile ground. But I think one of the major inhibitors here for synchronicity is the sense um, is that there's fear. And um, fear can block flow. Yeah. And, and so yeah, yeah. where... Um, so this is where synchronicity and um, um how it can help, but also how it can be misleading, can be quite um can be quite interesting because when um my sense is when when we have these synchronicities which can come out of a fear-based, um they can be alluring and they can be seductive, but they mightn't actually speak to the proper guidance that we need at this time. Um it's almost like they they're coming out of that limbic system in our mind, that primal instinctual emotion, and it perhaps doesn't represent sort of a wholeness in our mind. So, how can synchronicities, um, how can synchronicities be um, be indicative? What I think has to happen is that we need to cultivate the practices that can give us confidence in that the synchronicities that we um, that we're encountering the um, the. The signs that we might be seeing are not signs that are sort of reflective of a fear, but actually are speaking to a true need at this time. And I mean, once upon a time, I think when, when life was perhaps normal, you know, we'd be using synchronicities for sort of frivolous things, you know, uh, perhaps getting the car park closest to the shops or things like that. But now um, I feel that there's a there's a much deeper um, uh, a much deeper sort of or heavier load perhaps coming with the synchronicities because it's really asking us deeply well what um what do we need to do and when there's that sense of urgency and perhaps a sense of fear you have these synchronicities some can be the signs like these um these clear signs where we ask for guidance and we wrap it up in intention we We do some sort of ritual, like it's a formalized guidance, and we get a sign which does feel right. But you can also have, when it comes out of fear, omens. And as I think you've discussed before, um, sometimes omens don't always... um, aren't always necessarily a reliable,
5: <laughs> exactly a reliable and guide. We're, yeah. we're coming to we're coming to this the end of this segment where we're. It's very good what you're talking about. We, you're listening to Connecting with the Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD, and this is we're talking with Matt Zilstra. Are you
0: looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jenny as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net.
3: In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at amazon.com.
5: well welcome back welcome back to cc with bb connecting with coincidence i'm your host dr bernie beitman md we're talking with matt Zilstra, who knows nature in south africa where i don't know i've had a bunch of people on this show uh, some some of the sea change project uh and it's like there's something going on in south africa with nature that is not happening as far as i can tell in other places but what we're talking about here matt Uh, We were talking about near the end of the last segment about how to interpret coincidences and be able to separate out fear-driven, even created by fear, coincidences, and ones that are are, are more positive and more helpful to us. Please keep going about that.
6: Yeah. um, A lot of my navigating of this has come through personal experience, um, as it does for everyone. And, you know... I was just differentiating between signs and and omens. And what's interesting with an omen is that, I mean, they can be bizarre, wondrous, uncanny, unnerving, dark, portent, all this. But they can also invoke fear and superstition. And um, and, um, particularly if one sort of prior position is that, you know, and um, their, um, their beliefs and experience are a reliable indicator of reality, um, then you can take these omens as being an absolute um, beacon for truth. And I think if you look at the old sort of idea of the um, having the bone pointed at you sort of in African traditions, I think that's where it comes from, is you can have such a belief in these omens and you need to be really, really careful and really discerning, particularly when we're sort of floundering or or um, grasping for some sort of indication of what's happening or what what I need to do next. And um, uh, particularly as far as nature goes, um, I've had some, um, I guess, what you would call omens in my life, um, the ones where the owls appeared at a very significant moment at multiple times. And in my research on meaningful nature experiences, particularly uh, synchronicity as a meaningful nature experience, I also encountered stories of people who had snakes, spiders, owls, um, these, these particular animals which are known to, to sort of carry these, this, method, um, this, this message of death or portent between the realms. And you, you see um, some people buy into that fully and follow it all the way down a passage and sometimes the event came to pass and sometimes it didn't and people are left asking, well, what actually happened there? Uh, did I misinterpret? Was that for real? Am I just delusional? Um, and I think it can, can be to do sort of the state where it comes from. Um, years ago, I had a couple of striking experiences where I shouldn't have got onto a plane, so it seemed. Um, I'd woken up just before, um, just before I'd woken up, I'd had a dream of a plane crash. And I tended not to give dreams just before I wake up too much um, weight because I thought it wasn't necessarily representative of my deep subconscious. Uh, but then a friend called me and said, I've had a feeling I've never had before. Well, actually, I've um, had this feeling I've ever had once before, and that was when my grandmother um, passed away, and I just feel really you shouldn't jump on the aeroplane. So now it wasn't just me. It was somebody else feeling this. And then as I entered the plane, uh, somebody was on the phone to their loved one and made a passing joke about the plane perhaps falling out of the sky. And I remember standing there just frozen, like, should I get into this plane or not? Um and I got on, and everything was fine. Um, and I subsequently sort of reinterpreted that experience, or I tried to try to sort of make sense of what was actually going on there. And I mean, I came to a conclusion. But but one thing that it um, alerted me to the fact is, uh, and also which understanding I got through both my PhD research and also um, also through meditation is the importance of dispassionate observation. And even of the synchro- um, um, synchronicities, particularly ones that might be quite alluring, is just to sort of look at it and and say, "Is that so?" I mean, there's an old sort of Zen story about that. To sort of say, "Well, that's interesting. Is that so?" And even if it comes multiple times, trying not to um, get so caught, wrapped up in get so wrapped up in it that it starts to derail in terms of what might actually be true. Um, it, Interestingly, one story that I've gained inspiration from is when Buddha gained enlightenment um, under a tree, he had all sorts of um, potential synchronicities or omens trying to derail him, uh, so the story goes. And yet he was ma- able to maintain some sort of a neutrality or dispassionate observation to to not get caught up into what that might be trying to, to do to derail um, his particular path. And so I do think that to cultivate coincidences and synchronicity at this time we really need to focus on a practice and a practice uh, like meditation is
5: um is critical in having that balanced mind getting yeah getting to that neutrality and how to decide how to decide um once you see it Uh, i was took a walk uh, yesterday and and in the the neighborhood because i can get out and we got a little creek uh, that had a bridge and I was standing on the bridge and I was I was seeing a little pool of water that I hadn't seen before that looked like a nice place to go swimming. So I started thinking, oh man, I'd like to go swimming in there. So mentally, I projected myself into that pool and I was enjoying just connecting with the pool of water. And as I'm standing there looking at feeling the pool of water, kind of, and down the creek comes a snake. Hmm. Snake, Snakes come slithering down the creek, just like slither, slither, slither. The snake stops on a rock, puts his head or her head on the top of the rock, and appears to be looking right at me. And I started focusing on the snake, and the snake seemed to be with me. And then the snake got off the rock and got to another rock that was right underneath me. And I looked at the snake and snake looked at me, and in order to get a better look at the snake, I kind of, I moved quickly, and at that moment, the snake left, and I didn't see the snake afterwards. That, that was a snake moment for me. I, we were connected, uh, the snake and me, and I didn't make, I didn't make anything out of it except to have had a, a very nice contact with a snake, I didn't see it in any symbolic way other than that here we were together on a beautiful day um, connecting with each other.
6: Yeah it's an interesting story and um, that's um, that is one thing I've found so fascinating with synchronicities and where I'm sort of glad to have also had ecological training because it's like in every synchronicity there can be an ecological um, interpretation, and there's a psychological. It's uh, ah. two sides of the same coin, ah, uh-huh. um, and almost like the yin and the yang, actually, it, because it's never totally separate. Um, but in the sort of di symbol, in in every ecological interpretation, there's always a little piece of psychological, and on the other side, in every single psychological interpretation, there's always a little uh, piece of ecological, and they form the same whole and part of the same story. But I don't think uh, one can ever be discounted for the other. How, would you, so, do, how, mean, would,
5: how would you do my experience in psychological? Well, <laughs>
6: psychological. I mean, you can, um, the ecologist in me would perhaps, you know, um, like to know sort of more about the conditions of the day. I mean, snakes are obviously um, um, out and about, um, perhaps um, <laughs> okay. being in the water. Um, you, I want to know about instead you know, sort of how dry it was or the weather, and I mean um, animals are active and they're busy and actually, um, arguably, they're even more out and um, out and about now because humans aren't sort of there in their habitat, <laughs> so they're actually getting more confidence to come out. But mm-hmm. however, um, on the other side, um, there's an intrigue. Um, snakes at this time, um, I mean, snake is a very important symbol. Uh, yeah. 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 For, you know, for many traditions, I mean, like it's universal how how powerful the snake is. And so then I'd be interested to know, you know, what you were perhaps thinking at the time, uh, what question you might've been holding uh, while you're in the uh, woods for the walk. And and I think you can also then look at the symbology of just um, how the snake appeared. Um, uh, I mean, that eye contact, what was sort of felt within you in terms of your emotions with that eye contact. And then you could just sort of um, see what sort of awakes within you there to to see where there's a deeper meaning and um whether there is or there isn't uh, i don't think there has to be um sort of a, a, a huge post analysis to it one thing about is, as we know is that you tend to feel it in the moment like oh you know well that was synchronous because i was just thinking that um But, you know, uh, sometimes some reflection does actually prompt something where you actually think, oh, um, I didn't realize at the time, but perhaps there was more to that than I thought. Particularly, I think if you were uh, to encounter the snake again or a snake again in the next couple of days. Uh, For me, the series things um, is always quite important because a single event, you can say, well, that's just nature doing its thing. But then you encounter it again and then you encounter it again. And then you start to say, well, actually, you know, I've been walking in these woods for so many years and three in a week. Is it's perhaps slightly beyond what I'd expect from just an ecological encounter. So I mean, and right. um, that's the sort of way that I um, would approach these things.
5: Right. and uh, I'm, I'm glad you you went through that because part of that dispassionate observation involves dispassionately looking at your own interior. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that. And, sorry, go and, on. And if your interior. Is filled with anxiety. Like if I was anxious right then, I might have interpreted that snake as something um, ominous, ominous, <laughs> ominous, yes. ominous. That uh, was um, that I could uh, I, with me. That it might, be, but it didn't. It was my feeling of it was. Oh, <laughs> I had a nice relationship with the snake for a little while and I'm sorry I disturbed him by moving quickly and then I walked a little further and I started quacking at a couple of ducks um, that were also showed up right when I crossed another bridge. I can quack, quack, quack like Donald Duck and the duck duck stopped and kind of hung around for a while and and then we had a little nuff and I continued. So for me the two experiences we're being able to enjoy connection with the beings in nature, and that was about that was about it. And in, what I think of it now is, um, we're going to stop in a minute. Is like, hey, uh, getting me ready to talk to Matt. We've, we've been we're listening to connecting with coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Bauman, M.D. This is talking to Matt Zilstra, ecology guy.
0: For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exonradiotv.com, or www.exontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next, we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
1: Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit iconquality.com.
5: welcome back to CC with BB I am your host dr Bernie vitamin MD we're talking with Matt Zilstra and we're we're talking about get using synchronicity to understand and help us in this great time of turmoil and my my view of this uh, of the virus uh, is that it is a reflection of a subconscious in humankind where the virus is behaving much like a good part of humanity has been. The virus is interested only in its own survival and propagation. Human beings have only been interested lately in its survival and propagation. We are too many on this world. We, like the virus, are destroying our host. The virus goes to many people who get partially sick, destroys many who get very sick and it it it, we're doing that to our planet we are destroying parts of our habitat the virus is subconscious reflection of humanity's greed and unquestioning drive to conquer the earth
6: Yeah, I mean, that's really well put, um, Bernie. Um, there, is, there is a lot of um, sort of profound mirroring, I would say, going on here, um, or the shadow, if you will, um, yeah. is really being held up to humanity at this point in time. And a lot of ironies, a lot of paradoxes, a lot of dark ironies in a way, um, things that we were so sure of uh, are all sort of becoming to greet us. And uh, there's been some fantastic articles out there about how this is potentially um, Earth's way of holding up uh, a real um, a real mirror uh, to humanity and you know you could say that um, that she tried with um, increasing storm events and uh, and wildfires and all sorts of other things um, but it wasn't quite enough for us to actually stop and take notice and now uh, when it's when that reflection is right in front of our eyes, and it's and there's and, and it's sort of not discriminating. Um, also, well, it is now. I mean, we see it is discriminating between classes, but but the sense is that um, sort of everybody could be vulnerable to this. Um, you just have a sense of how rich, um, sort of how far-reaching it is. And then one of the other interesting things is the question is, is whether um, even viruses are alive, um, are a form of life. I mean, um, per definition, um, they don't actually. Kind of, kind of equate to life, um, given their sort of uh, biological, genetic makeup, and, and that's also um, quite quirky as well. So, yeah, I'm really deeply asking, um, I'm holding the mirror up, and and asking humanity, how will we respond? W- w- um, what is our calling here? And you know, one of the things about synchronicities is that they alert us to connection. Um, one of the defining. Uh, things that we've found in research on this is that in those moments when people have synchronicity, they feel connected. And for, for so long we've been saying about how separated humanity is, um, particularly from, from um, Earth and nature, but also socially as well. And um, at this time, when we have synchronicities, they remind us of that, and they remind us of a connection that's deeper than just the physical, that seems to transcend space and time they can lead us back into connection and they can help us deepen connection. And if one thing that I think is being asked of here, um, in spite of or despite of the social distancing uh, or the physical disconnection is actually really finding our way back into connection with ourselves, uh, who we are, and we're getting that time for introspection, many people are, um, with um, with each other. And we're seeing people connect in other kinds of ways that they never have before. Um, And with nature and earth, and unfortunately, in lockdown, that's difficult for some. But still, even in one's own little surrounds, I've just been finding incredible connection developing just from sitting in a little grass patch in the back of our apartments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've really come into sort of sitting in place. So,
5: yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's all around us um, and it just requires taking a, a look at a more close look at what is around us to see some uh, some of these connections and so you're leading us uh, into how do we use uh, synchronicity coincidences even in a lockdown to be able to somehow make things better not only for us but for 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 other people
6: yeah. yeah um I know at times, and I feel it now and I've seen it with friends we yearn for synchronicities, particularly when it's completely um, tumultuous as you say um we we want synchronicities to provide us the sign to give us the guidance as to what to do next
5: um, when you the- when you when you talk about that, one of the things that you mention in your bio is uh, focused att- intention and quality attention shapes our nature experiences and with that also synchronicity. Could you talk about what you mean by that, by those phrases?
6: Yeah, um, and this is critical um, in terms of the possibility of cultivating synchronicity because at least with my experiences in, uh, in nature, synchronicities are more likely to happen when we are holding our intention. And um, that intention needs to be um, uh, perhaps written, um, but at least stated quite strongly in one's mind and held before going into a certain context where we're hoping to find a sign um, that can be instructive of, uh, of where to go. So that's where the intention part comes in or the intentionality. And the
5: attention is... Could you is give us, a, Could you give us an yeah. example of an intention that you have held Quite strongly before going into nature, which I'm going to include going into your backyard, into your apartment building, as nature. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, and what someone can do listening to us into sharpening and about holding an intention quite strongly, then we can go back to uh, the quality of that intention.
6: Sure. Well, a place uh, up until lockdown, the place that I've been gaining the most nourishment out of is a, um, an estuary uh, not far from where I live, which I can get to from walking distance. And I've been experimenting over the last few years about how I enter into that space makes a difference in terms of the encounters I have. And um, it has been quite remarkable um, that the times when I stop before I enter Um, maybe just take a moment to breathe, uh, to become aware, to activate my senses, to give gratitude because this little estuary um, is quite modest, but it's gifted me so much over the years in terms of just restoring a sense of well-being, just going for a swim. So there's gratitude that comes in. And then I just like to ground myself and look out over the the estuary and um, invite uh, whatever might come up at this point in time uh, for me, and uh, and in that gratitude, I think there's also just um, I like to put these sort of intentions in terms of um, the thinking, the feeling, and the emotions. So, just thinking how it feels to have a good swim, have a good experience, or have a good um, um, outcome. Um, the sensory component of that—you know—what am I actually feeling? for that desired intention to, to manifest. And then um, the emotions of how it feels when I come out of that particular situation. And so that's the sort of thing that I would cultivate. I might do breathing exercise. I might do stretches, not always. But I've just found that when I've entered the water with that sort of little reset, as if, it, as if there's some sort of coherence coming in between myself um, and the rest of life, that The encounters that I'm gifted um, on those particular swims or snorkels um, <coughs> seem to be much more richer or be much more profound than when I've just quickly run in because I've only got half an hour and I want to have a quick swim. And, and I just and my whole state doesn't seem to be in sort of resonance with the, natu- uh, with the nature around me. So that's so a big that, part of the intentionality.
5: Yeah. And I'm going to put it in terms of uh, maybe my simpler terms of of lining your your psyche and energy with the surrounding you're about to enter. Yeah. And so I mean, it's
6: hard to know exactly what's
5: happening, but that's what it feels like. And that's... that's I kind of have a like a cruder way of thinking about it which is just what it was I went into the forest where I usually go uh, a couple of weeks ago and my intention was to get uh, the trees that I know best um, to help me with a, a bit of a bat problem that I had and um, I stood there and uh, it was like a little bit of rehab uh, and um, I. They said, we're not going to fix it right now, but you, here's what you can do. And they gave me a little exercise and tried a little something else. And then uh, I did a little rehab at home to, and laid off of it and heat and cold and stuff. And, you know, it's almost better now. And it, it's, it's, uh, it was a nice experience. This happened to me before in different ways that you can be healed. But I think it it's what you're describing, the thinking, feeling, emotion, sensory experience. you got to line up. With what's there to allow that whatever it is to happen, exactly. And you also need to be aware, like you said, of the ground that it's coming
6: from. Uh, is there this nervous anxiety, this fear? That's that's the wellspring. And if it is, take care in terms of what comes up in um, as a mirror, because
5: that's, it could well be a reflection of that. That's so important what you're saying there, because that's that's where we started the the omen um, versus sign. Um, and how fear can get in the way of fear it stops one's ability to be able to see coincidences. But it also leads to, um, to things like um, uh, uh, theories about the way things work. Uh, just so you need to have a theory that it, it could be called um, um, a made-up theory because you think some evil process is out there doing something to you. you you've got to externalize your own internal fear. But we're going to, in the next next segment, come to the end of this one, um, want to be able to talk about signs, uh, which you kind of are already, but just what we mean by a sign that is something we can read. The signs are, are to me, uh, guesses. I mean... uh, offers of possibilities, but not necessarily solid truths. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Breitbart, MD. We are talking with Matt Zilstra.
2: Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. Simultv.com, sonny boy. Simultv.com. Simultv.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic, too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. Simultv.com.
3: Um. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com.
5: Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We've been talking about how a negative emotion, particularly anxiety and fear, can lead a person to misinterpret omens as something much more negative than it, the omen might have in it, but it's a reflection of our own internal fears. Well, what about signs, Matt? I mean, what are some, tell us about how to in this tumultuous time, how we can better use signs, find them, experience them, uh, and use them uh, to help us and, and, and talk about the, the quality of attention that will help us with coincidence understanding.
6: Well, the two interlinked, um, um, as you suggested. The, the key... I believe, in finding signs at this time is to really um, pay attention, um, invest attention, and to listen, um, to be able to quiet the mind and deeply listen uh, to what's around us. Some people say that there's signs everywhere and there's always signs around. It's just whether we are actually aware enough to uh, to perceive them. Um, it was funny you should mention about seeing the snakers, sort of thinking about uh, having a chat with me because just yesterday i encountered a praying mantis which is actually a very um profound um uh, sort of creature for me or at least it was during my phd research I hadn't seen one for a long long time and and i encountered it but it could have easily been missed and i didn't think too much of it it was there doing its thing but i also had that little sort of nod of like huh, yeah well i'm actually going to be chatting to bernie uh, soon uh, isn't that interesting
5: and you but, told me about your praying mantises the last the last time we talked
6: yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I thought that was um, that was quirky, but but yeah. not the sort of ground-shifting thing that perhaps we need at this time. But right. but the one thing about synchronicities is they also help us feel that we're not alone. Um, and so when we have these signs, you at least have a feeling, and particularly when they come from non-human nature, that there's just something out there giving a nod. And in and these times of isolation, um, seeing the signs which point to the fact that there's a something other bigger than ourselves can also provide that reassurance that we're not alone in this journey, Um, no matter how
5: difficult it's going to feel. That's so important, Matt. And let's turn that around. Let's say that there is a need to feel not alone, to feel connected with something more than just me, um, or even some of the people around us. How do you know we're not distorting that one, too, the way fear can do Um. Again, I think it has to be a
6: real close in, sort of inspection as to where is that coming from. I and mean, we often say that synchronicities respond to a need, and I'm often curious as to whose need. Uh-huh. Um, I had a really interesting conversation earlier this week with a friend who told me a, a, an experience of how she had did, did, did this Kundalini process of manifesting intention, and she was hoping for a particular um, partner to manifest, and he and he did in every way that she'd been intending. And it seemed to be a direct response to the need. It was seemed to be an, an incredible um, sort of synchronicity. And she was like, wow, um, this sort of ritualized intention works. Here I have it. And uh, only for a few months later for that um, relationship to sort of peter out. And we were wondering, you know, was the intention sort of wrapped in an egoic sort of need, um, a need that the ego felt they needed Um a particular partner with particular looks and um, background and what have you, um, but didn't really speak to a soul need or a or a need of self with a capital S. And I think that's um, that's also one of the things to be asked as to uh, how do we know that it's not just tricking us? And so she sort of reflected that perhaps the the, the need was coming more out of the, the ego or the persona. But the lesson that she got through the breakup was actually part of what her herself or her soul needed to to go through and experience at this time um, but there are no concrete answers and i think that's just one of the mysteries that we're always um, living into and asking um, with these signs um, how do i know it to be true and they sometimes have a have a particular flavor where we know i mean that's that noetic side i think we just sort of know um, but then not to become attached to that to say okay that that provides a stepping stone to the next sort of decision I need to make or the next understanding of how I can um, best um, best work on myself or best act in the world at this particular time. But now let's ask the question again and hold that question. And that's where the attention's coming in, being able to hold the question and sort of say, where am I placing my attention now? Why? Um, um, how's that helping me? How's that helping um, me help others? And that's where I think these signs can be stepping stones toward the path of navigating what's going
5: on in this, um, in this time. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, I, it's one of the key points you made was that uh, you may think you got what you wanted, uh, but the reason you needed it may not be what you think it was. Uh, so stay with the coincidence and see what happens as this woman learned from the breakup. That uh, that may have been the primal lesson for her on, a, on the deeper soul level than the ego level. So she was, so so the impact on her was what about her ego?
6: Yeah, well, I mean, I think she's still unpacking it, and I um, wouldn't want to give sort of too many details for her own personal story. But uh, I mean, she was was at least um, forced to reflect on. What was she yearning for so much um, in a relationship, and was that really what she needed at this point in time um, at a deeper level so um, I think there's we don't always know what the universe wants for us even though we think we do and I think part of this part of this journey is also about surrendering um, into the not knowing um I recently did a little um what you call vision quest um, where you go out into the mountains for a couple of days and you fast. And both times it's happened. I've gone in with what I thought with my intention, but it seems like that nature had something else for me. And this last one, I was just sick. Um, I had really bad diarrhea, dysentery, and um, it was a huge cleanse. Um, And my question was sort of, what do I need to be called from in this time? Um, And we went in there and there was a bit of COVID stuff going on in our country, not a lot. And I came out, came out to a national disaster. So Ooh. it was incredible um, what had transpired in those days of being off grid. Wow. Uh, my own experience um, of sort of going through illness up there was quite reflective of what was going on in the world, or at least in that um, sort of in the country. And it also illuminated the fact that I needed to take care of myself, where I was looking at, well, what can I do in the world right now? Um, and there were indications of that. But I realized first and foremost, I'd have to put my own health um, as a priority. So. Yeah, my ego was looking for indications, but actually at a deeper level, I felt that self was saying, actually, um, now you need to take care of yourself a bit more before you go too heather-tether in the world as it's changing.
5: Well, boy, did I learn that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if your body ain't working, you can't do too much. Huh? <clears throat> and so when I work on my book or other things, I, I, my, I have to listen to what my body is saying. Uh, and it's been a, a, a difficult lesson, but I'm, I think I'm learning it pretty well. Of having to like have these intentions. I got to do this. I want to finish this. I got to do it. Now. And I'm writing the last chapter of my new book, um, which I'm calling "Knowing Coincidences," hmm. and and it's about the future. And you're helping me think about it because the two sections in that last chapter are the future of coincidence studies and the future of the world as seen through coincidences.
2: Hmm.
5: What you're you're describing is helpful right there. Thanks. The one thing I just want to
6: stress and the realization that I came out of my PhD research on meaningful nature experiences, of which a subset was synchronicity, was you know, we cannot manufacture synchronicities um, on demand. And they are um, they are alluring, they're wonderful, we want them in our life, but we can't cry and get upset when they're not appearing. Um, they can be indicators of flow, so when we don't have them, we sort of have a sense of, well, are we not in flow? What's going on? And so we yearn after those things. But the, So I was very focused on well, how do we cultivate meaningful nature experiences? How can we create more of them? And what led me through, what the golden thread was that I came to rediscover again for the first time was was connection and in the absence of synchronicities just focus on connection so while synchronicities open up connection in our life and they make us feel that it's also connection which concedes synchronicity and um i saw that both quantitatively and qualitatively in my research uh, analysis and so i would just urge everybody at this time to um yeah to focus on a practice that brings connection in one's life and i would always add that it's important to make sure that's also non-human nature Um, we can't just get it in ourselves with ourselves in that sort of incestuous relationship humans have we do need non-human nature but we can through meditation through dance through all those things find connection and the synchronicities will follow eventually um they will come um but don't be anxious for that and when they come we just have to make sure we're attentive um and we're alert and we listen and we um then we observe and say ah there we go isn't that's that's lovely but not be attached to the next uh the next synchronicity um that was a great indicator i appreciate it i'm grateful um now let's be alert and let's keep holding the question to see um if another one comes up very Um, good and i think yeah that's where we (laughs) need to go
5: That's that's very good. Uh, We can't manufacture synchronicities on demand; they cannot be demanded. Some people think maybe they're not in the flow when they don't appear, but we can just rediscover connection because coincidences can follow from connections, and that means connections with non-human nature, which I strongly go along with. And they then then follow the connections attentively, observe and analyze and i I like the small but i like the small but it's clear that you you saw a praying mantis and they're very important to you uh, a little before our our interview today and i saw a snake which certainly was what you started with talking about as an omen so thank you very much matt for being on the show you've been listening with Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Doctor Bernie Vitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Matt Zilstra has been our guest.